I've been taught that there's basically three ways that you can help people. Donate your time, your talent, or your treasure. And if it is to be, it is up to me. You're listening to the Teak Nation Podcast with Donnie Aldrich, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. Thank you for joining us. Welcome into the Teak Nation podcast. This is your host, Donnie Aldrich, and I am thrilled to be joined by two guests today. They are coming from the West Coast. They are joining us via telephone. We are honored to be joined by the Regional Director in Region 1, which is the Northeast Frauder Pete Dawson, as well as the Regional Director out West, Region 4, at home, in his homeland out there of California, and that is Frauder Todd Farmer, a man who has lived in Indianapolis most of his life, but now working out west gets to enjoy some of that sunshine so frater pete frater todd thank you for joining us today on the teak nation podcast thank you donnie thank you donnie something unique about pete also has canada included as we are an international organization and so he works with those canadian chapters and canadian volunteers and both pete and todd have had extensive careers here in the fraternity pete started out as a volunteer in our organization and elevated into a professional staff position has been here around a decade and for todd farmer has been working for tk for over 25 years been dedicated to continuing to advance the efforts and the mission of talk up epsilon let's dive in in our discussion on volunteerism why is it critical you're you're both now staff members pete came from the volunteer ranks and and i know todd you joined the staff shortly after college not right out of college but shortly after college to dedicate yourself to this organization why are volunteers so critical to what we do as a staff what we do as an organization and serving our membership donnie i believe that volunteers are the absolute key to the long-term success of a chapter you know, current officers are gone in a year, and then they're replaced by other students, and that entire chapter will be replaced within four years. But a, a good chapter advisor, a good board of advisors, a good alumni association can extend the corporate knowledge of that chapter on how to operate for decades and decades. And I, I believe that the volunteers are absolute key to their success. Donnie, I think we've been incredibly fortunate as an organization to have consistent staffing for the last few years and the ability for the professional staff to build more long-term relationships. But when you look at the visitation model of most fraternities, they rely on fresh grads to go out and visit a chapter maybe once a year. Having a volunteer staff to supplement the robust staff that we have in Teak allows us to get out and see chapters three, four times a year to do increased follow-up where we can build long-term relationships with our groups and better support them for long-term success. I think that's really the, the key to the kingdom. And most of our volunteers at the province level, at the regional level, are treated as auxiliary staff with similar requirements and responsibilities to somebody who's paid. So without those folks doing that, it'd be, it'd be really hard to engage our chapters at the level we do. I agree with both of you. The The critical piece is the amount of outreach efforts that are made when you when you add in the professional staff with, with the volunteer efforts that you all coordinate, we are able to make a much stronger impact because it is not just a once a year visit. You have these other folks who are continuing to champion, continuing to 
echo the messages and the efforts. And when it comes to that culture piece, Todd shared this person can can really influence a, a chapter or a colony for decades and decades. How critical is it to you, Todd, in this person and their ability to set the culture? Because we do have volunteers who have been in position for decades. And being that consistent North Star can really drive a group positively or negatively, depending on that person. Can you give a little life to that thought process? There is the expression that, you know, who's going to be the adult in the room? Well, by actual definition, the adult is going to be the volunteer. We need someone who has seen a little bit of the world. And what I mean by that is the the universe of college campuses, multiple campuses if available, different trends that's going on within fraternities, the highs, the lows, the successes, and the failures, not only of the chapter that that individual is working with, but with all the chapters on that campus and multiple campuses. So that individual has to be the one who can take the, the heat out of the moment of, hey, let's go out and throw this wild party or let's radically change how we develop our new members. They need to be the, the voice of reason that says, okay, guys, let's stop. Let's return to our values. What does it mean to be a member of Talk F Epsilon? What did our founders envision for our fraternity? Are we being true to that vision? Are we being true to our chapter? That consistency and that, that again, adult in the room is the one that's going to to make that chapter safe, it's men safe, it's guests safe, and that's what's going to continue that chapter for, again, a very long time. And thank you for that. I agree that the perspective that a volunteer can give in some of these highly emotional or highly impactful decisions that have to be made is is what we need out there because we do have a, a smaller staff in terms of our professional staff and we can't be at every chapter meeting we can't be in the room when when our men are making decisions and I'm sure for some of them they would rather that we were, we're not in the in the in the room for every decision they're making but it is important that these folks are giving some of that perspective, giving some of that 10,000 foot level of, I've seen groups who have made these types of decisions before, here's how it impacted them negatively, and here's how it impacted them positively, and being able to continue to direct them towards the best path that is going to give them a great experience, give them further opportunities after college, ensure that that group is there so they can come back for homecomings for years to come. Pete, can you talk about if I'm someone who is either a, a junior or senior, or maybe I'm someone who has been out of the fraternity in terms of being engaged with a fraternity for for a number of years, what is the value to the person who's a volunteer? We've touched on now how critical it is for the organization and how it can help the chapter of the colony. Yeah, obviously, the professional staff, how important they are for us all being to accomplish, for our ability to accomplish our goals and, and do the things we want to do to advance the organization. How important is it and, and what kind of intrinsic value does the, the person actually committing the act of volunteering get? At the regional level, our volunteers will put on programming, things that we call province forums, small level programs, local programming, and they'll also make visits, interact with groups, communicate out to groups, and, and in doing that, they really build up a robust skill set. I've had people that leverage all of the things that they've done as a volunteer when they're applying for new positions. So it's a supplemental skill set to what they're doing in their full-time job, and it allows them the opportunity to really grow and develop in their careers by volunteering some time with Teak. 
at a more personal level, a good friend of mine, Mark Puzdrak, summed up why he volunteers really well. And what he said is, when I get together with my friends from college, they talk about good times. They talk about the things that we did when we were younger. Talk about memories. And I do this with all of you because I'm here making new memories every day. And it's really, our volunteers tend to interact with people from other chapters. They have a, a completely new Teak experience as alumni and, and really embody what we talk about when we say fraternity for life. They become very good friends. People are at and in each other's weddings and know each other's families. And it just becomes a very enriching, rewarding experience to work with our groups and to work collaboratively to support our groups. I think that's a great picture to paint, and that is breaking out of that Teak neighborhood that we have grown up in. We all have an affinity to our home chapter, and and many memories were made there, and that's for most of us, if not all of us, where we initially decided this is the organization that I love and, and want to be a part of. Once you're able to break out of that neighborhood and start to look at what are some other chapters, other groups, other frauders that are out there that I can connect with. That just, to your to your point, Pete, completely enhances and takes our Teak experience to a whole nother level. And I know, Todd, as I kick it to you in, in putting a little more energy behind that thought process, talk about, just for you personally, someone who was initiated at West Georgia and your experience there to now you have traveled all over the United States and into Canada as a former regional one director as well, and met so many people. How is that the experience you had in college versus the experience that you now have had as a professional staff member for over 25 years? Well, Donnie, I got my first taste of the international fraternity, if you will, while I was still a student at West Georgia. I remember distinctly, we were going on a spring break down to uh, Panama City Beach, Florida. And we had 10 or 12, whatever number of guys staying in a number of hotel rooms. And we were out walking and we came across a car with a teak sticker on it. And one of our guys, for whatever reason, uh, thankfully, took out a piece of paper and said, hey, we're a bunch of West Georgia teaks and we're staying at such and such hotel. Stop by and see us. Later that evening, Two guys, two teaks from the University of Alabama at Birmingham, Pi Delta chapter, they stopped by. And we were thrilled. I've heard those two individuals tell the stories about how that it was like them visiting and reconnecting with members of their own chapter. We took them in, we took care of them, and they returned the favor. They stayed with us to the last possible second that they could because one guy had to get back and go to work. And they said, hey, guys, we're having an event next weekend as you're finishing your spring break, because they had this, they were at the end of theirs. They invited us to theirs, and they took care of us. They said, okay, guys, here, this is, this is where you're going to sleep, and we've got some food for it. I mean, they took care of us like any five-star hotel. And it was that that kind of piqued my curiosity about, wow, this fraternity is so much more than just my one little chapter, my one group of 40 brothers. Maybe we had a handful of alumni. But then I was just introduced to an entirely new chapter. So in essence, my chapter size doubled immediately. And it was there that I got to say, well, hey, there's these things called regional leadership conferences. And they would be coming up. And so I said, I want to go there. And at those regional leadership conferences is where I met hundreds more teaks from two dozen, three dozen, even more chapters. And it just, it ignited something in me. 
that discovery. It's the same excitement that I think you feel when you're going through recruitment or rush, when you're meeting new people. But this is so much easier because these guys have already committed themselves to talk at Epsilon, to, to understand their stories, where they came from, how they do things. And that's the excitement that I still feel today in traveling from chapter to chapter. I want to know about their successes so I can share them with others. I want to know some of their pitfalls and perhaps how they have stumbled so I can warn others of that danger. It's tremendously exciting. And I think this is not something that's reserved just for staff. It's also the same kind of excitement that our volunteers are when they visit multiple chapters. Absolutely. And when through through the years, the three of us have heard countless stories of volunteers and alumni who do take that leap and take that chance to reach out and engage with other men outside of their chapter and how there's this instant relationship that gets formed and, and their love and dedication for the fraternity only grows because they see they start to connect the dots and how big this organization is and how vast it is and how we can have such a much larger and broader impact than we currently do if we start to engage in that way. So I appreciate both of you touching on that. Let's talk a little bit about structure. Pete, as the fraternity is world famous for acronyms, I heard recently someone in our industry say that we have more acronyms in the healthcare industry, which is a, a challenging item for us to tackle, but apparently we've done it in his eyes. Can you talk about GPAs and PAs, what they are, what the goals of their interaction or engagement is, and why they are mission critical to what we do? So our Grand Province Advisors form part of our regional staff. Our fraternity is divided into about 48 different areas, little subgroups of chapters to make it a little bit easier to support. And each of those areas has someone called a Grand Province Advisor who is responsible for recruiting and managing his own team. And that team will go out and advise and work with our chapters and our colonies. That person will, every year, put on one of those localized conferences that I talked about, a uh, province forum. He will create a visitation plan working with his regional director. And he will be the person that coordinates communication and follow-up to that subgroup of chapters, to that province. On his team, he has province advisors. And we break this down a little bit, and we, we break this down really well in our guide to running a successful province that people can find at teak.org. The province advisors will either take on a couple of chapters that they will be there for, communicate with, visit, support, and follow up with. We also have specialized province advisors, and those are folks who will take on a particular topic for that subgroup of chapters. We have people that will specialize just in recruitment. And they'll go out maybe once a year and coach our chapters on recruitment. They'll speak at the province forums, and then they'll do follow-up uh, throughout the year. There'll be another resource that our groups can, can turn to when they need help with recruitment. We have people that do the same thing with finance. And we have people that will do the same thing with our ritual and understanding fraternal values and the mechanics of ritual and how that works. Those specialists become that additional resource that a, that a group can go to. And they, uh, they really supplement what we can do as a staff because they develop expertise over a period of years. They'll typically be attendees at all of our conferences. Many of them will bring their professional skill sets into their volunteer role. I had a, a good friend of mine named Rob Garini. He wanted to volunteer. He had a little bit of time. He had some expertise in finance. 
and he decided that he wanted to be a province advisor for finance. And he was only going to handle that one role for about 10 groups. And it was an area that was very troubled financially. He took that province from about a $400,000 debt uh, down to zero, made sure that everybody had good budgets, everybody was financially sound. And then he said, you know what, I, I think I could do a little bit more. You know, I'm busy with my career, we're starting a family, but I'd like to do a little more. And when I joined the professional staff, he actually replaced me as a Grand Province Advisor and then eventually became one of our board members. So I think there's opportunities to specialize and then opportunities to grow from those specialist roles as people find themselves wanting to do a little bit more as volunteer. Yeah, the theme there is if you have an interest, we can meet your availability, right? We can we can find something that fits even if you say, I've got one hour a year. Okay, we'll take that one hour and we'll we'll make the most of it. Or I can give one hour a month. Okay, even better. We'll find a way to to utilize your skill set. Pete talked about resource guide running a successful province. That is at teak.org slash resources if you want to go and learn a little more about running a successful province, what it entails, and and get a little more insight into some of the, the points that Pete was touching on. If you have an interest in discussions, and I, I know both of you, there's a vetting process that we want to make sure that our volunteers volunteers are prepared as well as it is a good fit for them to work with our groups. But once they pass through that process, we want to take advantage of the time they have to, once again, provide value to our organization, provide value back to them. Pete, I'm curious, when it comes to people volunteering, we had this broad term of volunteering, and we've touched on a little bit the, the PA level, the GPA level. That's really the highest level of volunteers that we have outside of, of grand council members, foundation board members, those types of volunteers. But we do have folks that volunteer at the local level as well, folks that are maybe engaged with two or three chapters, folks that are engaged with larger number of chapters. Can you highlight if I'm someone who gets in like a Rob Garini at a smaller level and then wants to work my way up in terms of my engagement, my involvement, the impact that I can make, what are the options that are out there? And what have you seen in terms of people making that transition either up in terms of working with more groups, or maybe they start a family, they get a little busier, they start a business, they're an entrepreneur, where they can scale their involvement back a little bit, but still can contribute to the organization, still be part of this internal Teak family. It's interesting that you mentioned Rob. One of the things that he did along the way was he worked with me to build a brand new chapter at Farmingdale State College, a place where we built a fraternity system from scratch via Teak. Rob became very invested in that group and decided that one of the things that he wanted to do was to spend more time with them. So he became their chapter advisor. So he became the person that they would go to most often. That chapter advisor role, that's someone who will typically attend two chapter meetings a month in person and be available for communication with, with that group really all the time. We also have some folks that will step into positions on boards of advisors. And those, those boards, those folks are committed to one group, and they're usually from a variety of professional backgrounds, and, and they work together to, to guide one group to envision where they want to be five years from now, and they work with them to take steps in the present to get them to that, that long-term vision and goal. I think those are two critical components that are options for folks that are interested in 
in joining a volunteer team. And we've had folks who start in one of those roles and then decide that they want to take on more responsibility and move into one of those province advisor, grand province advisor roles. We also have people who, when the family gets a little bit bigger, when they get a little bit older, maybe they become a mid-career professional, things are, are really starting to pop for them in other aspects of their life. They then may take that that step back and not even a step back, a step into a different role. They're all critical roles, and I think non-hierarchically, and and think more toward what is the role, what is the fit for you in your life right now. And we tend to work really closely with people to help them evaluate where they're at and and what their comfort level is with volunteering. I often say to people, do as much as you can for the fraternity when they first start out as a volunteer. And and some people will initially take that to mean like, do everything I can for the fraternity, spend all my, all my time on it. And that's that's not at all what we're saying. We're saying, do as much as you can for the fraternity. Understand where it fits into your life. Understand that you're balancing your time commitment fatigue with a family, with a job, with all these other aspects. And, and figure out what your level is and where you're comfortable. And we'll, we'll work with people very closely to find something that's a good fit for them. Thank you, Pete. Todd, can you share the support that these volunteers receive? We, we definitely want to take advantage of their skills. We want to take advantage of their specialties. What kind of support are they going to get from our team? For someone who's a regional director, what is your role in working with these volunteers and ensuring they're not flying in the night blindly, that they also are getting some, some direction? Well. Part of that process is understanding where that individual is. You know, are they a relatively new graduate or, you know, are they someone who's been kind of out of the arena of fraternity for a number of years and are coming back? So kind of evaluating where that individual is and kind of what they need. And then once once we can kind of get our hands on what resources or what knowledge or what experiences they need, then work to provide for those individuals. Once we get that individual, you know, some training and some knowledge base, then I, and I know Pete has done this as well, are happy to take that volunteer by the hand and say, hey, let's go out and visit some chapters. So you don't have to do a solo flight, but you've got someone there that you can introduce this new volunteer to the group, the group to the volunteer, you know, allow the volunteer to do some speaking. And then, you know, if if there's some things maybe that were left on the table, then kind of pick those up and explain those to a chapter. So it it can be a handholding and then encourage that volunteer to do that solo flight where they go out and they work with a chapter. We're all always available for an email, a text, or a phone call for our volunteers if they have a specific question. We try to encourage members within a particular province, like Pete discussed, to get together, perhaps a backyard cookout as those volunteers in that particular area. And that area could be a subdivision of a state, or it could be multiple states. So there are different challenges as to how often and how those individuals can get together. What we like to do is to get all the volunteers in the particular region together so that we can get all those leaders, those grand province advisors, understanding the goals of the fraternity. Each year, our Grand Council, our International Board of Directors, they set goals, which we call KRAs, or Key Response Areas. Those are what the staff and the volunteers and the chapters work to achieve on an annual basis. So we have to be mindful of our values, of who we are, what we stand for, what we want to accomplish, and then these KRAs give us 
definite direction and, and, and goals to accomplish. So the professional staff, as well as other volunteers, are there to support men and women who would like to, to serve the fraternity in any number of, of volunteer roles. Pete, can you talk about as we look for for those volunteers out there in in every part of Teak Nation? There are always skills. There are always attributes that we would love for those people to have. And I know that to Todd's point, we want to work with them. We want to help them to develop. We want to do everything we can to ensure they feel confident and competent to go out there and work with our groups. But what are some attributes for for you as a regional director that you're looking for in some of these juniors or seniors or maybe an alumnus that you run across at a tailgate or at an alumni association event? What are some of those attributes you're looking for in a volunteer that if I'm someone listening to this and I don't know if I should be a volunteer, I don't know if I'd be a good fit. You can start to talk about some of these attributes and maybe that will ping for them of actually maybe maybe this could be something that's valuable for me and something that I could do to make an impact. We're not looking for people to relive their collegiate experience. What we're looking for is, is people that can get out there and empower and coach others. And typically, someone who will lose all credibility immediately with our students is someone who says, well, back in my chapter, we, or when I was in school, we. I, I think the real key and what we're looking for is someone who listens more than they speak. Understand what the students are saying, have conversations with them, and then advise them. We're looking for people who have a great skill set in communication, both verbal communication, people who are consistent at messaging, you know, via email and text that are that are comfortable with that type of communication. And just in general, people who have a capacity to care for others. It's one thing to sort of listen to someone and sort of be ready to just give an answer right away. And it's another thing to really listen, take a moment, think about what they're saying, understand their perspective, and then try to guide them to a better place. I love it. Empathy. The empathy is what I heard there at the end. Something you touched on that I don't want our listeners to miss is our current students really engage through text messaging. That's how they do a lot of back and forth with our staff members. Some people know or don't know. GroupMe is a way that our members are engaging, and that's essentially a giant text chain that they are on to communicate back and forth. And so that's a medium that if it is not something you utilize as much, would be something you would utilize much more if you were to engage as a volunteer. Additionally, into the pieces that Pete eloquently touched upon, I would say your ability to to challenge in a respectful way the limits and the borders that they may have put on themselves. And I know both of you have worked with groups that say, well, we, we can only recruit five guys or, well, you know, we could only raise X amount of dollars or, well, our GPA is always this or this is who we've always been or this is what we're going to be. Would you agree, Todd, we also need guys who are willing to to push and stretch and motivate and, and inspire our men to do a little bit more and to say, you know, I, I've been in situations like this at a company or at a church organization or whatever it is where we only thought we could do X. But once we had a vision or a thought process that we could do Y, the results were amazing. Absolutely. I, I, I want passionate individuals who can bring energy into a group. I also want that knowledge. And there's a time where individuals can get up and perhaps give a lecture or a seminar that's just purely fact and this is how you do things. But then I also want that passion from our volunteers because I think that's what gets these guys enticed to learn more. 
I, you know, I want volunteers to challenge. What was your chapter like five years ago, 10 years ago? How big was it? What was your grade point average? What did your academic or intramural programs look like? What are the other fraternities? What's the competition on your campus? And again, if you're on a new campus and maybe all the other fraternities are not that great and you're at the top, well, then let's compare you to another TEAK chapter. Because to me, competition is what drives us forward. Competition is what makes us work to be better than we were the day before. So those are the kind of the skills and the qualities that I would love to see in a volunteer, not someone who's just going to be there to caretake for the chapter. There's a role for caretakers. But again, I get excited about the volunteers that can challenge and get people to be a better version of themselves and a better version for their chapter. Donnie, something I find really interesting is our volunteers who work with a variety of chapters will see commonalities between different campuses. Our members have a habit of limiting themselves by saying, it's different on my campus. The volunteers that are working with a group of chapters see multiple campuses and they see chapters succeed. If there's two campuses of 5,000 students and one is a chapter of eight people that don't really do anything, that are just limiting their own beliefs, there might be a campus down the road or, you know, in another city nearby, 5,000 students that has a chapter of 50 people that's raising $20,000 for St. Jude and doing some wonderful events. And if it works there, it can work on the other campus as well. And, And a lot of our volunteers will share a story and share what's going on down the road with that group as as a prompt to motivate them to be more, just to be more successful, to get them out of that limiting thinking and get them out of their, their little box. I love it. And you just hit on something that we do here all the time, which you hear groups share to Pete's point. You don't understand. It's different here. It's special here. There's a human need that that we all have intrinsically to be special or to be unique and, and to carve out our own path. And and that is natural, but having an understanding, having a respect that there are these attributes that every chapter, every colony we see in successful groups, and there are definitely symptoms that we see or clues with groups that are not successful. And not only is it across TEAK, I think for, for those of us in, in our roles, the, the thing that we see is that you see those in other fraternities and their chapters as well. There's these leading indicators. Now, what makes every chapter unique, what makes every chapter special are the people that join that specific chapter that help to add to that heritage and that culture that breeds our overall heritage and culture, but it makes it unique of, yes, Todd Farmer was at West Georgia, right? Pete was at NYIT. That That is part of where he, the neighborhood he grew up in, and he played such a critical role in getting them to XYZ position. And he also connected them with these alumni, and he also made this contribution to society. That is a really cool thing you have for your individual group. But there are these telltale foundation posts that we see in in successful groups and groups that we're looking to improve upon. So I appreciate both of you touching on that. Todd, I know that you are extremely passionate about recruitment, a man who is always looking to find more people to join our organization, spread the gospel of TKE. How important is it for our current volunteers, people who are involved at that level, to go out and recruit and participate in the process of finding other volunteers and also for them to share a names list? We ask our collegiate members to go out and create a names list, go and talk to sororities, go and talk to student government, go talk to professors of potential men who would be phenomenal additions to our organization. 
how critical is it for those volunteers to either go and recruit volunteers or to simply give you a names list or Pete a names list or members of our team and say, here are other men you should explore as possible volunteers in the future? Donnie, short answer is absolutely critical. I want to make a very bold statement. I believe each and every one of our members, be they a still in school, a collegiate, or an alum, can and should be a volunteer for the fraternity, each and every one. And what I mean by that is, when you're still a student, you are a volunteer for your chapter. You volunteer to serve as an officer or a chairman or on a committee. You're out there recruiting individuals to join your chapter. You participate in intramurals. You raise money for philanthropy, such as ours at St. Jude, and many others. Those are volunteers. For our alumni, each and every one of our alumni has the potential of giving back to the chapter or to the fraternity. They can serve as chapter advisor for a local level. They can serve as a member of the board of advisors. If there is a separate housing corporation, they can serve in that capacity. Every chapter should have an alumni association. That Every alumni should be a volunteer on that alumni association, contributing to the chapter, asking the chapter, what are their needs? How can we support you? And then every alum can be a volunteer for the international fraternity, even if it's as simple as volunteering a few minutes to either go online or to write a check to support the fraternity. We have the TKE Foundation. Its sole purpose is to support the fraternity. So if you're looking for tax-deductible gifts, make it to the foundation to benefit the fraternity. If you want funds to go straight to the fraternity, we have our Life Loyal Teak fundraising program. Generally around the beginning of the year, in honor of the remembrance of our founding, alumni can contribute $20 or $50 that directly goes to the fraternity to support the activities. So it may be a bold statement, but I stand by it. Each and every member of Talk F Epsilon can be a volunteer for the fraternity. I agree. And if we want to take advantage of the network of the organization, many of us were recruited with the understanding that you're joining this immense family that has all of these personalities and valuable folks in it. If we want to truly take advantage of that Teak network, we have to play a role. And you've definitely outlined the different ways that we can consider playing that role. Last question that I have for both of you, you are lucky enough as I am to be able to travel to collegiate chapters and work with our members. And you both do a great job in, in having that empathy and learning what are the challenges and, and what are the things we need to overcome and how can I connect the dots to get you in a better position. We talk to these collegiate members and they discuss the need for volunteers. They discuss the need for alumni to be impactful, to be mentors, to, to share their advice, to build that network where they could possibly get a job or get the skills that could lead to that dream job. If you were to speak on behalf of them and, and be their voice as we don't have our collegiate members on this podcast, what would they say? What are consistent messages that you hear in your travels towards folks who could be considering volunteering, folks who maybe they never even thought about being a volunteer, that you could reach out and, and talk to them through this medium? Todd, I'll start with you, and then Pete will we'll wrap it up with your thoughts. I believe our members are saying 
we need support. We need support in, in many forms and fashions. We need someone to be there to answer questions about should this be included in the budget or how do we have a successful fundraiser? How do we improve upon our recruitment program? How can we better educate our men and develop them into the members that we want? They, they need individuals to help them with life problems. I've gotten myself into a little bit of a financial crunch and I need to have some personal skills about budgeting and maybe investing in my future. I need advice on what kind of health care program should I sign up for? What about my future retirement? I, I want to buy a car. What should I do? They have so many questions, whether it's about college life, about the fraternity, or just the real world. And they need advisors. They need people that they can go to. Just showing up, attending homecoming, coming to an alumni reunion, that visible support goes great distances. And if you can't go and you don't feel that you have that, give a little money. Help that chapter. I suggest that you give it to another responsible adult and say, hey, I want this to help with your recruitment budget. I want this to go towards the, your, your sports program. And if you're fortunate enough to have a house, I want to help you with that structure. Not just money, but in-kind gifts. I'm willing to help pay for the new electrical system in this room or the new roof or whatever. Every dollar can help. And there's different ways. I've been taught that there's basically three ways that you can help people. Donate your time, your talent, or your treasure. And if it is to be, it is up to me. Sometimes there are some of these that are not in great abundance in an individual's life. But I think if you just find it in your heart, there's something that you can do. Keith taught me that so many years ago, and I've tried to utilize it. Because if, if there's a situation where something's not giving attention, it's up to me to do that. And I, I think that that could really empower our volunteers to do what they can do to help our great fraternity with either time, talent, or treasure. Donnie, there's a lot of talk out there right now around mental health and well-being. Students investing a little bit more in their own self-care. Something that our volunteers do is just provide that additional voice, that additional sounding board. When we think about the student population right now, they're struggling with the cost of going to university. They're struggling with balancing job and family commitments along with school. Many of our students work. Many of our students are paying for school themselves. And having that extra voice, that adult, that grown up in the room, just to bounce something off, whether it's something related to the fraternity or something personal, is an incredible benefit for them. You spoke a little bit about our students and about their need. One of the things that I've also seen is that if our juniors and seniors now aren't getting everything they need as volunteers, there's an opportunity for them to, to really do a critical analysis on, on support level they have now and to think about the type of alumnus that they want to be. Perhaps they're the volunteer that steps into the role that they didn't see when they were in school a couple of years from now. I think understanding kind of the pipeline of our graduates and, and where they're headed and how they can step into volunteer roles after graduation is, is a very important thing. So, you know, as, as they listen and think about this, I, I really encourage people to reach out to us early and to start to think about where they can fit into the, the volunteer network. We have some chapters that have done a really good job of engaging faculty members. We have a chapter at the University of Massachusetts that really doesn't have a lot of their own alumni volunteering. 
they went out and found a professor of psychology on campus, and he has become a mentor and a guide to them, both in the fraternity and academically. And he's found incredible fulfillment in working with these students. He decided that he actually wanted to become an initiated member of the fraternity. So through our honorary initiate process, he became a member. He had never joined a fraternity when he was in school. And he has just absolutely grown with the group and done an amazing job of being a mentor and a guide and just just an extra sounding board for them. Thank you, Pete uh, and, and Todd as well. Those are tremendous messages. You know, we, we have this amazing opportunity to take the fraternity to a whole different level. And both of you touched on multiple aspects of how we do that. I think, Pete, something that you touched on there that I loved is is this thought process of being able to break the chain of folks who maybe haven't done it to the level that you want when it comes to volunteering. We see the same thing at the collegiate level. We see men who say, you know, I really wish that some of these seniors would be engaged and, and participate more and be more involved because we need their their guidance and their wisdom. Well, when you get to be a senior, don't fall into that trap. That's that's the first thing that you can do is always control yourself and your actions and what what you do to break that cycle. So same piece goes into volunteering. If you don't have enough volunteers, be the one who dedicates yourself that when you graduate, you will volunteer. You will start to find others to shift that culture because all it takes is one person committed to a little bit of momentum. And you'd be astounded at what you can achieve with some of the right tools and some of the right connections. And obviously, the two of you are, are phenomenal connections to, to bring that to life. Something that you touched on, Todd, as, as I wrap up this episode of the Teak Nation podcast is considering other ways that you can be involved if, if you don't have the time. And you talked about time, talent, and treasure. You talked about the foundation, which is a phenomenal vehicle to enhance our organization, whether it's you talked about contributing to Life Little Teak, which goes right back to benefit the fraternity. Those dollars are, are shared right back in that current year with the organization to, to do more for the fraternity. There's also the opportunity if you're interested in in a scholarship, if you're interested in, in special projects funds, those are dollars that are set aside for your specific chapter. If you say, you know, I, I joined at University of Southern California and I want to help Teeks from, from USC to go to programs, you can donate dollars into a fund that sends Teeks from USC to, to our RLCs and our Leadership Academy, Conclave, those types of things. Or maybe you have another area of passion and, and the foundation is phenomenal working with our men of ways that you can invest in whatever it is that you're passionate about to to benefit our, our overall organization. But we need that support on all ends. And I say that those dollars and that support is critical for us to be able to advance the mission of the organization. It's, it's critical for us to be able to go out and impact more groups. It's, it's critical for us to be able to support and ensure that the current chapters are successful, especially in this climate that we are in. And both of you, thank you for representing Teak out in California with AFA. This, this climate that we're in with higher ed, it is important that we support the organization and that we do all we can to further it. And that is one role that you can play in helping us to get to that position. I want to thank those who do donate their time, their talent, and their treasure, those volunteers that play such an, an amazing role in the success that, that TK has been able to have. We, Our staff, we could not exist without you. Our men could not be as successful as they are without you, and you really play a phenomenal role in us reaching our capacity as a fraternity. And if you imagine what we have done to this point, it could blow your mind in terms of what we could do 
if we had another 2% of our alumni membership involved as volunteers. We had another 10% of our alumni who were who were donating back to the international fraternity, once again, getting out of that Teak neighborhood in ways that we can involve and support and advance the mission of the overall organization. The things that we would be able to do with that type of support would be phenomenal. And so appreciate all of those who have listened to us today. Appreciate you considering what more you can do and are extremely grateful for those who serve daily for those who contribute and thank you most of all thank you pete and todd for your time on this podcast your engagement with the organization and your love and passion for tk thank you gentlemen for joining us today on the teak nation podcast thank you to all of those who have listened to this podcast we hope you continue to share it and spread it with your friends your frauders and we hope you enjoy this episode of the teak nation podcast mm-hmm.